The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and Happy New Year to everyone out there listening. We're going to be talking about new beginnings this time around. We're going to talk a little bit about how it is that we can begin and what makes a beginning and what happens as we begin internally. We've, many of us have had to begin many times in a single lifetime. I've said to people uh, several times in my life that I've had three lifetimes in this lifetime, probably about to be four now because I'm about to make another change in my life. So, you know, we, we can uh, we can look back as we get older and see the drastic changes we've made that have changed us exponentially. And each one of those things that happens can or does have the potential of bringing us closer to who we are as authentic beings. So starting over is one of those things we're going to be talking about today. And we want to, want to stay all the way with it because starting over is a process of rebirthing ourselves into a new essential meaning of, of our own essence, not necessarily what our lives are about because our lives are just an extension of who we are, but, but of who we are, getting to know that at a deeper level. So that's what we're going to be talking to, about today. and We're going to go deeper into it at each segment. So I want you to hang with me. So true beginnings as opposed to false beginnings, false starts. A lot of us in this new year uh, coming up are going to be deciding to go on a diet. Some of us will stick with it and others of us will last uh, any number of days depending on our, our where we are in our psychology about that. Uh, we're, we, we make resolutions and I've known of people who make a list of resolutions literally at the beginning of the new year to say, well, I'm going to do this and this and this. And I'm going to change this and that and the other. And about, you know, five days later, half of those have dropped off the list. And about 10 days later, the other half has dropped off. So that just kind of scoots under the, under the wire and makes us feel better so that we can say, okay, well, now I've started off the new year right, so I feel better. I've made this promise to myself, so I feel better. And then I can slowly forget about it. And uh, that's how we accomplish these, these start overs. And we can have that same kind of false start in, in any other way. For example, we can um, decide to stay with something that's not otherwise working. And, and we can say, I'm starting over. I'm going to put, Turn over a new leaf. I'm going to have a better attitude. But really, our better attitude is just a way of saying, I'm going to try to accept the unacceptable and, and tolerate the intolerable. I'm going to try to make what's happening here in my life work. And that new attitude, that supposed better attitude is really at base a way of avoiding having to take responsibility for changing our lives. So 
you know, that's also a false start. We can also have false starts when we say, uh, when we sort of do it from something that's not authentic within us. For example, we can change jobs, but we can change jobs to get more prestige or more power or more money. And none of those things may have anything to do with who we are. It's possible that some of them do, but then it's possible that they don't. And if they don't, then we've made a false start. We've just started something seemingly new, but it's really not new. It's uh, it's the same thing with a next step up into that thing. So let's say I've been making what? Let's say I've been making sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. And I get a job where I get to make $80,000 a year. And I think, wow, this is me stepping up. This is new. This is something I've never done before. Well, yeah, maybe in one way. But what if you're doing it the same way you've always done it? What if you're still just looking for some kind of way of erasing a childhood of poverty, for example, or some kind of way of kissing up to, to power or some kind of way of of uh, working yourself to death by being a workaholic. If we're doing the same old thing, we're not really changing. So that's a false start. So we can have false beginnings that don't really take us down a true path. And, you know, we may never even know that these are false beginnings because we don't do the internal research to find out. A lot of us live on a, on a level of, of sort of quasi-okayness where we just sort of say, well, it's okay for me to do what I'm doing and have what I have, and that's okay, and I don't really need to feel any different or think any different, because who gets to think any different and feel any different? I mean, look at all the suffering in the world. I'm pretty lucky, right? I've got this, 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 and this. So why should I be complaining? I need to just get a good attitude, suck it up, and go on, right? A lot of us think that way. And in that process, what we're doing is foreclosing on ourselves. We don't realize that, of course. We live in a sort of uh, world that's wrapped around itself so that we can't really see anything beyond that. And the world that's wrapped around itself is a world that's created so many blankets of security that, you know, we can't really, we can't feel the cool air or the heat or the anything else. It's, we're just wrapped up. So we don't see, we don't notice, we don't hear what's going on inside of us. We don't hear the voice of the authentic self. It has, We've just so minimized it that it's almost below the sound of a bit whisper. It's inaudible. So we can miss that out on life that way. And we can, um, and that also is a false start. So we're not really doing anything different. We're just doing the same old thing harder. Um, so there's lots of ways to start something new, seemingly new, that's not really new at all. I mean, I've, I've seen people leave a bad marriage only to go into another marriage is just exactly like the bad marriage they left before. And they say to themselves, well, this is a new person and this is a new thing and this is a brand new start for me. But it's not really at all. It's the same same exact dynamic, just a different face on it. That's all. So, again, we can have false starts and we can tell ourselves that things are new that aren't really new. But a true new beginning comes at a very deep level. And we can pay a, a high price for it, especially if we have postponed making that change over and over again until it finally piles up so high that we cannot do anything but crash into it. And then it's, it's trauma and drama and sorrow and suffering, and we just have no other option but to do some really deep-seated changing. And in that process, we become new people. And we can say to ourselves, well, I'm a new person now, 
But if we are honest, we have to look back that we've been given that same opportunity to change in that same way in several other situations of like nature. But we just didn't go there. Maybe we were too afraid. Maybe we were uh, insecure. Maybe we just couldn't see. Maybe we chose the, the route we'd always chosen. Whatever the case, we did not do the changing. And we can look back on that and say, okay, well, you know, I didn't do the changing until my psyche left me no other options but to change. And that does happen to us. I believe that the psyche is always leaning toward wholeness so that we we are always every day being presented with opportunities to grow and change and look at ourselves differently and hear what's really going on inside of ourselves and make decisions about that that will help us grow even further. I believe those things are being presented to us externally and internally every single day. But we ignore them because we're busy wearing our blinders. And you know what blinders do when a horse is wearing blinders. They cannot see peripherally. So they don't see what's beside them to the right or to the left. They only see what's in front of them. And, you know, maybe what what we need to see is to the right or to the left. So... If, if we're wearing those blinders and we're missing out on something we need to see, then it's beca- usually because we've put those blinders on as a way of maintaining some kind of security. And security tends to be the um, block or the idea of security tends to be the block to many of our life changes because we tend to say, well, I, I need to have security. I need to have security and therefore – I can't make this change because it feels too insecure. What we don't realize, however, is that any life change is a risk. Any life change is a risk. We don't want to have to take risks, though, when we believe so much in security because taking a risk means we're not secure. You know, I have people come in to see me all the time who are in a, in a relationship with with someone where it's not really working out very well. And, and uh, maybe one partner... Uh, is really afraid that the other one is going to cheat. You know, I don't want her or him to cheat on me, so I have to really keep my guard up and watch them and make sure they don't do anything that's, you know, going to make me feel insecure. And what's happening, of course, you know this story, is that, of course, the person who's being chased is running away because they're, they feel like they're being hounded and chased and pursued and watched and dogged to, uh, to make sure that the other person feels secure. Okay, so that's A. But B, the, the person who is seeking security is saying, the, uh, you are my security. If I can keep my watch on you, then I'll be secure. And of course, that's a faulty premise. It's, it's a fallacy completely. No other person can be another person's security. I can't be your security. You can't be mine. Because if you are my security, then what happens when you're gone? I have no security. Uh, I can live that way. People do, but it's not exactly going to work in terms of helping us start those new beginnings, develop into who we are intended to be. If if I am looking for security, what I tend to do is minimize all potentiality of risk. If I can possibly do it, I'm going to look around and see where the risks are and go, nope, 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 nope. And then I'm going to look around and I'm going to see where the security is and I'm going to go, yes, 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 yes. 
And we often make those decisions without even recognizing that we're choosing between risk and security, risk and security. The fact is, anytime you fall in love with someone, you're taking a major risk. You are taking a major risk. You're handing that person your heart. Basically, when you decide to commit to them, let me say it this way, when you decide to commit to a person you're in love with, you are basically handing them your heart and saying, here, you can hurt this if you'd like. That's a big risk. When we uh, buy a house, we're taking a risk because, you know what, the house could burn down. Uh, you know, we've got insurance policies that don't cover everything, but we, we, like I said, we try to minimize those risks as much as we can, and we should. We should try to minimize them to some degree. We don't need to be jumping off any cliffs. But security and risk, those are two things that uh, sometimes eliminate the, the fight between those two things sometimes eliminates the, the risk we need to take to make the changes that are necessary and that are coming up, whether we want them to or not. We're going to talk some more about this right after the break. Stay tuned for more. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness Research is transforming healthcare. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And as you just heard, the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell. IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. That's N-O-E-T-I-C.org. And we're talking today about change, about 
new beginnings, about what it means to really begin. And we said during the first segment that we could do something that I call a false beginning, a false start, so that we're we're engaging in something that looks pretty much to us like it's different, but it's actually not that different at all. Or we can engage in something that tells us that we should think differently, but actually the thinking different only allows us to be to stay in the same situation and pretend to ourselves that it's different. So we can have some false starts, but we also were talking about how risk and uh, security seem to be oxymorons. But actually, there is a blending of those two terms that can come with, with true beginnings. With risk and, and security, what we do is we look for what we really need in the risk so that if I, if I, for example, want to invest money, let's make it real simple. If I want to Im- invest some money in something and I tell myself, well, I've got to check out all the risks here. The reason I'm doing that is because, A, I don't want to lose my money. And, B, I need that money to get me something. So if I can look at the risks as, okay, how can I use these risks as a way of getting me that thing that I need that money to get me, then I am utilizing risk as a potential for my own new beginning. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when we're when we're launching ourselves into a new beginning, what if we can stop and think about okay, what are the risks? Let me really do a thorough assessment of the risks here. And that might mean getting out a pencil and a piece of paper and laying those risks down on paper. Along beside those risks, you might also want to write down your fears because these are two different things. Fears and risks are not the same thing. You can have a risk without fear. And you can have a fear that is not attached to a risk. So a risk is an actual event that might occur that that would challenge you to change in another whole direction or could uh, take a, give you a loss or create a scenario that might be dangerous for you and others that you care about. So that's a risk. Fears have to do with... Uh, uh, in emotions, just emotional responses. So I've, I've got a fear, for example, that um, um, something terrible might happen to me if I try to change jobs or something terrible might happen to me if I, uh, if I speak up for what I need to speak up to or something terrible might happen to me if I uh, decide to divorce my husband or uh, leave my wife or stop drinking alcohol or start doing something different. We have these fears, and they're primal. They're not based in reality. They're not based in real risks. They're primal fears that say change means I'm somehow annihilating myself. Change means I'm annihilating myself. That's what those primal fears say. They make change the enemy, and the enemy is growling and hissing and poisonous and and bloodthirsty, and it's going to eat us alive and and raw. We're not even going to get cooked. <laughs> so, you know, that's we, we, it goes back to our caveman heritage where we we're fighting against animals for our very life, and it was either them or us. So when we when we make life change the enemy, we we tend to come at it from that primal fear, and that primal fear will tell us that we are uh, we should be afraid that terror is right around the corner that. That all we need to do is sit here and quiver and maybe everything will go away. And so there's three ways that we can respond to fear. People say there's only two. There's fight or flight. I say that there's, there's a third. There's fight, flight, 
or paralysis. I wish I could find another F word for that <laughs> paralysis to make it uh, liter- uh, literate, but I can't. And so the paralysis is what happens. We get into a fetal position. We just lay there and we just don't know what else to do. And sometimes we need to just get into a fetal position for a minute. We need to kind of just, okay, go back to the womb because that's where we're going to create something new. We're going to rebirth ourselves. So it's, it's okay if we need to stop for a little while and just kind of lay there and reflect and hold on to ourselves and, you know, just sort of let things gestate for a while. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But eventually some movement needs to take place. Eventually we need to get up. And take the challenge to make some difference in our life. Uh, so when that eventuality occurs, it's different for different people in different scenarios. But eventually, we're going to have to do that. So when we fight with fear, what we're doing is uh, we're we're deciding that fear is the enemy, and we need to get rid of it. And you know, fear is not the enemy. Fear is just an emotion, and it is there. To give us a message about ourselves. It's not necessarily to give us a message that says this emotion is appropriate or it's correct. It's a correct response to this particular scenario. But it is to tell us something about ourselves. So our fears can say, oh, okay, I think of myself this way. And my fear is telling me that if I can no longer think of myself this way, then I no longer exist. And in some sense, that's true. And that is what those deep uh, rebirthing experiences are all about. They're all about taking on an entirely new existence. And we don't like to think in those terms. That's a little scary for most of us. We like, we'd rather be thinking in terms of, you know, I, I'd like to just keep going and see myself as I've always seen myself and do what I've always done. But again, very often I see, and I'm sure some of you have seen that when we don't, when we resist the changes that need to take place in our lives, they come up again. The need to, to make that same change comes up again later. And if we don't do it then, it comes up again later and then later until finally we, we can't miss it. It's so in our face that we just cannot do anything but face and deal with it. Um, so, you know, we can't avoid these things. But when we think about fight, fight can be a good thing if it comes from – and by that I don't mean good in terms of moral. I mean good in terms of effective um, – it can be effective for us in that it says, okay, I gotta get up and deal with this. I gotta, I gotta challenge myself to do things differently than I've done them. I've got to, uh, um, put on whatever armor I've got to put on and go out there and face this thing. And sometimes we are literally facing an enemy. Sometimes we are literally facing someone who wants to do us in. That could be a boss who wants to fire us. Uh, for reasons that we don't understand, um, that could be a, um, a a person who wants to harm us. It could be an abusive spouse. It could be uh, it could be somebody who wants to steal from us or rob rob us in some kind of way. It could be a, a, a coworker who's trying to uh, report lie, tell lies about us. You know, it could be all kinds of things. And these could be so. These are situations in which we might need to think. Okay, this truly is an enemy. And I truly do need to fight. And uh, so I'm, I'm not ever going to say there's not a time when fighting is not appropriate. One of the things about um, uh, uh, the uh, Bhagavad Gita and some of the other ancient texts in the world, as well as one of the famous Christian texts which, uh, and Hebrew texts is Ecclesiastes. It says there's a time for everything. And I believe there is a time for fighting. 
not necessarily in terms of war. I'm not sure that we need war as much as we think we do. But but in terms of just being able to stand up and say, wait a minute, I've got to put my boundary down here. You can't treat me this way. Or to fight enough to go get another job or to fight enough to get a divorce or to fight enough to get ourselves out of a really bad, hostile, self-harming situation. So, yes, there is a time for fighting. But if we're fighting with our fear, we're fighting with the wrong enemy. We don't need to fight with our fear in order to create change in our lives because when we fight with our fear, we're just repressing it. We're telling it to go away. I should be fearless. I have nothing to fear. There's something wrong with me. I'm weak and vulnerable if, I, if I'm if i afraid. No, I can't feel these feelings. They have to go away. We get fearlessness mixed up with empowerment and fearlessness and empowerment are not the same thing at all. As a matter of fact, the more fearless we try to be, the less empowered we are. Because when we're trying to be fearless, we're repressing fear. And it's just going to come back up again later in some other uglier way. So um, the object of the game is not to not be afraid. The object of the, of the game is to listen to our fears and see what they really are trying to tell us about our lives and about ourselves. Perhaps our fear is telling us that, that we're standing in the middle of the road and there's a Mack truck coming. And we need to get out of the way. In that event, we need to listen to that fear and do exactly what it says. Perhaps our fear is telling us that we've been living in a pattern that is not true to who we really are, and we need to get out of that pattern. There's lots of ways that fear can be a very healthy communicator to us if we just listen to its message. Uh, so we don't need to fight with our fear. The other uh, option is flight. Now, flight says I'm supposed to just go away and run from this. So we run. We might be in a difficult, say, a difficult marriage that could be worked out if we tried to work it out with our partners. But instead of trying to work it out, we just run. We, uh, running is an automatic response. And typically I see this with, it literally in somebody who's got a, a runaway identity that – their response to everything is to run from it. If it gets too emotional, oh, just get over it, deal with it. I don't want to hear about it. You know, I'm not going there. I'm running from it. If it gets too commit committed, oh, I'm running from that. Don't want to be committed because that might mean I feel trapped. Or uh, if I'm if it gets too uh, emotional in this room and you know I feel that pressure, then I'm just going to leave. I'm going to get out of here. You know, those are ways that we can actually run from the very things that could be challenging us to face them and and really use those as stepping stones to the next change in our lives. So flight is one of the things we can also do with fear. And if we're running from fear, again, we're just going to repress it and we're going to end up with it coming out again later in another way. Uh, the, the third option, like I said, is the paralysis. And paralysis can be – we can get into a permanent state of paralysis with fear in that – we get an automatic response to fear every time fear comes up. We do the exact same thing. We just stand still, don't move, and then finally it just goes away. I have literally seen people in scenarios that made them uncomfortable become statuesque. They literally, their eyes just focus on one object in the room. They don't move their eye contact. They don't move their bodies. They become rigid. And I'm not talking about catatonic. This is a passing fleeting state. But they just statuesque. They just become a statue until the subject changes, and then they can talk again. As long as the subject's on that, they're just not going to go there, not going to go there at all. So, you know, those are ways that we can respond to fear, and they're not that are not helpful. But if we can turn them around into something that is helpful, yes, there is a time to retreat. 
I mean, for example, if you're if you've got uh, a really difficult boss uh, in a situation where they're just hammering you or harassing you, and they're just not going to let you get do your job, then retreating to another job is an okay plan. Fighting. Uh, in that situation might not be in your best interest. You might get fired before you can find another job. So there's a time for that. And there's a time for fl- running as well. But we have to know what that is. And the only way we're going to know which one is true for us at that moment is to really go inside and listen. And that is the thing we're going to be talking about the most next as we talk about how to begin a true beginning. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about true beginnings, how to have another beginning again. What we've said thus far is that we can have false starts. We've also talked about the difference between risk and fear, and we've talked about the the war between security and risk. And uh, what we said was that we might want to sit down with a piece of paper and a pencil and look at risks in any given situation and then separate that out from our fears in any given situation because we may need we may see that some of our fears we've been calling risk and some of our risks we've been calling fear. And so we need to make those distinctions. But we also need to, in a third column of that page, be asking ourselves what it is we really want and need. And we're going to come back to that in just a minute because some of our, some of the situations that we come to in our lives change us before we get a chance to think about it. If you're in an automobile accident and the total emotional recall of that accident and perhaps the loss of someone that we loved or or, or, or a limb or our ability to walk or 
all of that can have an extreme emotional impact and that emotional impact can in and of itself be transformative so that we alchemically change to this new scenario because we have gone through this experience. I can look back on times in my life when I have been through some extremely difficult uh, high-pressure times for a long period of time, as probably all of us have at some time or another, and and just going through that experience altered me. So there are times when we are changed by the experience itself, and we don't have to think about or process through that. However, I would say that I don't want to wait around for those to happen. You know, they, they do occur, and none of us like it when they do, but they also change us. One incident in particular was a very difficult incident in my a period of time in my life where um, I was working for a boss who was not – who was doing some very unethical things and I was, I was having to be the one that confronted him with those things and in doing so I was risking my job and I was a single parent, had two kids to raise. So it was pretty scary for me to do that. But what came about as a result of that was that I began to know that not only could I stand up for myself, but I could, I could think on my feet and I could do it well. I had been avoiding having to confront the situations in that particular job and then I was promoted into a position where I had no other option but to confront. And so I did. And as I did, I began to become more and more confident of myself and my ability to speak up for what it was that was true inside of me and what was true for the staff that were imploring me for help and, uh, and what was true about ethics and, you know, all of that, what we, what we were being required to do by the government, etc. So, you know, I, I, in that scenario, I came out of that a changed person because not only did I learn to speak up for myself, but I also learned that um, that the universe was going to take care of me because in the end, um, I had another job. I got fired from that job just like I thought I was going to when I stood up to the guy. But I had another job this within 12 hours of that time before I got fired. I had the 12 hours before I got fired, I had another job. So – I, I really began to really know on a whole other level that the universe would take care of me. And this was many years ago. But the point is that that particular situation that I found myself in and could not get out of because I tried to find jobs everywhere else. No one just wasn't happening, just wasn't happening until it was time for me to see this thing. So it was pretty miraculous as I look back on it. It's pretty amazing to see how the timing worked and all of that. So I look back on that as a really special time in my life even though it was terribly frightening during that time and and I really just was carried around this big ball of fear in my stomach the whole time but but that thing that event just walking through it changed me I'm a different person today than I was before I went through that event and I look back now at that boss and I think I'm so grateful that he did all that crappy stuff he did because I'm different I'm changed. I'm a whole new person because of it. So, you know, what we think is our enemy may not be our enemy, but it can create that true beginning. And that was definitely a true beginning. However, again, I will say I don't want to sit around and wait for those times to come crashing in on me because there there might be ways that I can establish true beginnings just out of my own ennui. I might be bored with my life. I might be unchallenged and dispassionate i might feel like life doesn't mean a whole lot because you know there's not much really going on that means anything to me that 
in and of itself is an inner challenge, an inner challenge, not an external challenge, an inner challenge for me to start going, okay, what do I want? What do I need? What are the risks? And what are my fears? And when we can answer those questions really in full, then we can put together a strategic plan to do something about it. And in that way, and we, as we're as we're making the strategic plan, we need to be consulting with our inner self as well there to be able to say, okay, is this what you want to be doing right now? Is this what you want to be doing right now? Because we don't know the ultimate outcome of our situations. We do know what we want to be doing right now if we listen. So that right now is what leads to the ultimate outcome. But if we're not tuned into what we want to do right now and the only thing we're tuned into is the outcome, then we've got our focus on the wrong thing. Is this what I want to be doing right now? That's the question. So what are the risks? What are the fears? What do I really want and need? And what do I really want to do right now? Okay? I tell people all the time when they're thinking about a job change that instead of thinking about the prestige, the power, the money of that job, forget about that. Think about the daily tasks of that job. Think about what you'll be doing when you get there at 8 o'clock in the morning, what you'll be doing at 11 o'clock in the morning, what you'll be doing at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, what you'll be doing at 4 o'clock in the afternoon when it's getting close to time to go, and what you'll be doing when it's 6 o'clock. Will you still be there or will you be going home? So you see what I'm saying? What are the tasks, the literal, everyday, practical tasks of that job? And if you can make a list of everything you know about that task, and very often when you go for an interview, the boss or that you interview with or the employee, uh, human resources person that you interview with will give you a job description. Look over that job description and say to yourself, what of these tasks that I'll be doing, which ones do I really, really like? Which ones light my fire? And which ones go, oh, my God, I cannot stand doing that. <laughs> now, those are the two extremes. You know, I really love this and I really hate that. And in between those two extremes, there'll be gradations. So what what are the gradations? You like that a little bit. You like that a lot. You like that. You don't like that a little bit. You really don't like that. You really hate that. Those are the gradations we're talking about. And if you make a list and see which of those tasks you really like, and then you add up how many of those tasks you really like as opposed to how many of those tasks you really hate, that will tell you which, whether or not that's the right job for you. Forget about money. Forget about prestige. Forget about you know whether or not you're going to get vested. Think about whether or not those tasks of that job really do light your fire. Now, what I say is when you found a job where at least most of the tasks of the day light your fire, that's the right job. I'm not saying you have to have 100% of the job, the job that you just love. I'm not saying that. But it has to be the majority. You have to love the majority of the tasks you do during a day or it's not the right job. So so I would say this. It's the same exact thing with anything else we're involved in. When we're dating someone and we're thinking, okay, my next life change is I'm going to marry this hunk or I'm going to marry this really cute chick, okay? We're, and we're not looking at, okay, what are the risks? What are my fears? What do I really want? And is this what I want to be doing right now? If we're not looking at those things, then we're, we're, we're just basically tell, lying to ourselves. We're blinding ourselves to the little features and the characteristics that we don't like about this person. And there's always going to be some. No matter if you're madly in love and this is the right person, there's always going to be some things you don't like about that person. That's normal. It's, it's, it's in every situation. But 
But if you don't love, really, really enjoy being with the majority of what that person presents, it's probably not the right person for you. Sorry about that. We don't think in those terms, though. We think in terms of, well, this is a quick fix. I need to get, get into this right now because it makes me feel secure and I don't want to have to wait around and find out. <laughs> you know, Really, literally, sometimes we just think, I don't want to have to wait around and find out, so let me just make a decision really quickly. Let me just do this, and, and that's how I'm going to have my new beginning. And then we go around telling everybody, I've started my life all over again. I've done. No, you're doing the same old thing you always did, just a different face. That's the only thing that's different here. So we, if we're really trying to create the potential for a true beginning, we're not being – a new beginning is not being thrust upon us, but we're trying to create a new beginning, then there, it requires some real serious self-assessment. So at the beginning of this new year, Rather than looking in the mirror and saying, God, I'm fat, I need to lose weight, I need to hurry up and do it, let me get on one of these quick plans and let me hurry up and get on a diet or let me start starving myself or let me start binging and purging and let me, let me start doing something that I've always done and never worked. Let, do a self-assessment. Marianne Williamson has a great book out there about weight loss that I interviewed her about last spring. It's called A Course in Weight Loss. And in that book, you can do the work on the pages for how to uh, really do this kind of self-assessment that can help you figure out what weight gain is all about for you. So you're really looking inside yourself and asking yourself some serious questions about what extra body fat really is all about for you. And uh, I would encourage you to get this book and read it because it's different from some of her other books, but it's also it uh, goes along the same grain that Marianne Williamson represents as sort of I would call her brand that that – Course in Miracles kind of way of looking at life as you're a divine essence. So what is it that you're doing that's not matching that? Um, and uh, so I really would encourage you to read and, and work that if, if weight is the issue you want to work with. Instead of just jumping into some kind of plan, oh, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to lose 10 pounds by X, Y, and Z, uh, those plans go by the by within a month, six weeks, maybe even three months. They go away. But if you really are determined to have a true beginning – you can have a true beginning if you do the personal assessment that it takes to do that. And when it comes to weight loss, Marianne Williamson's book is a, is a really good way to do that. Again, the name of it is A Course in Weight Loss. So, so okay, true beginnings can, can challenge us to really go to the depths of who we are. True beginnings are in and of themselves either a created – existential crisis or an externalized event that creates an external uh, an existential crisis and we're going to talk some more about what that means existential crisis means when we get back right after the break stay tuned for that awakened media for a transforming world seventh wave network The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness Research is transforming healthcare. 
The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with Great Spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for our final segment today. We've been talking about true beginnings and what that means to have a true beginning. And what we've said basically is that it is possible to have a true beginning, but it must originate at a much deeper level than any New Year's resolution can ever attain. What we've asked, though, is is it possible to begin again without being forced into it through a painful ending? Many of our beginnings begin at the end of something else. And... And what we've said is we, we can wait around for those things to happen or we can be co-creators of our lives. We can begin to assess and determine what we really want and need moment by moment in our lives so that we're, it, we're internally on constantly in this cycle of revelation and self-understanding and self-love and giving and receiving to and from the self what it needs so that it's constantly supplied with what it needs in life. And that is what I think is meant by the passage in, in, in Psalms written in the Hebrew Bible. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It means that if we are, uh, as I've said many times on this show, uh, Fillmore, Charles Fillmore, who wrote the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, talks about how when we see the word Lord, it should be translated as I am. So when you re- translate it that way, what it says is, I am is my shepherd, I shall not want. So in my, in that way that I am being who I truly am, constantly and consistently tuning in to who I am and coming from that place of who I am, I cannot, I have constant supply because I'm always attuned into what I need and giving it to myself and receiving it from myself and then tuning into what I need and giving it to myself and receiving it from myself. And there is a reception that goes with that and we can spend some more time in another show talking about that. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today, but there is a reception that is the receiving of everything. So, so that's sort of at the bottom line of that. But what we're asking here is, is it possible for us to take charge of our new beginnings without having to be forced into it? Well, what I would say is, if we're just letting life happen to us instead of co-creating our lives, then we are destined for a beginning that comes from an ending. 
Now, I'm not saying we're not destined for that anyway, but I am saying that if we're not tuned in, we are asking the psyche to please tune us in. And when we are asking the psyche to tune us in, it thumps us on the ear, and then it grabs us by the nose, and then it whacks us in the butt, and then it hits us over the head with a baseball bat because that's what it takes and for us to get it. If we don't get it by the smack on the ear, well, then we get it by the pinch on the nose. Well, if we don't get it then, we don't get it by the, pat, the smack on the butt, then, you know, somebody's going to have to hit us with a baseball bat or a two-by-four before we get it. And so that what, what we're saying is I'm going to ignore my life until life slaps me so hard that I can't ignore my life anymore. And if that's how you want to do it, okay, that's fine. That's your way of doing it, and that's all right, too. I think I'd rather do it differently. I think I'd rather be constantly co-creating my life. And does that mean that I'm in a constant state of flux and never being feeling secure or, or safe or, or feeling that I've got my feet on planet Earth? No. I've got my feet on planet Earth every step of the way because at every step, what I challenge myself to do is to ask myself, what is it I want to do right now? What is the most meaningful, most purposeful, most true, most honest, most most rec- receiving of the love of the divine within me? What is that that I can do next? And if I'm tuned in, the answer is right there. And I just have to be tuned in enough to hear it. But that tuning in process is something we have to practice. It's not something that just kind of happens to us like, uh, you know, we get run over by a train. And so now we have to walk through this horrible experience and we change alchemically because of that experience. You know, we can wait to get run over by the train or we can say, okay, let me see here what's really going on inside me. Am I happy with it like it is right now? And if not, what is that all about? It could be that I'm not happy because I've got this transfixed idea that I should have X, Y, and Z in order to be happy. And I might need to change my thinking about that. Um, or it could be that I'm unhappy because I'm in a situation that doesn't match my authenticity or some gradation in between those two. But whatever it is, I'm in charge of it and I'm responsible for it. And if I don't do anything about it, ain't nothing going to happen about it until I get hit by that two by four. So I choose to do it on a regular rotating basis. Um, that doesn't mean that I might, might not still get hit by a two-by-four. <laughs> I can't guarantee what's going to happen in my future. But I can say that I am about the business of consistently assessing my life to see what it is that I need to do next and staying open, staying open and receptive to what is there for me to receive. Um, now, does that mean I'm 100% open all the time? And when I say I, I'm talking about some kind of universal I here. I'm not just referring to myself, Andrea Matthews. I'm talking about just using the word I because it's a way of talking about this whole thing. Um, when, when I when I change, when I evolve into my life, that means I'm there present with that change. I'm really doing the thinking and the meditating and the tuning in that it takes and the receiving, the reception of, of divine energy and my, my divine self, I'm receiving that and I am able to live from that place. And when I'm not doing that, then I'm, I'm sitting waiting for something to happen, I'm waiting for an external event to occur to create the change that I want. 
So those are our options when you get right down to it. We can create the change we want in our lives, and it can be a true beginning if we do it with that deep kind of personal assessment that where we sit, we meditate, we tune in, we listen, and then you know, we might also need to do some practical work like what are the risks, what are the fears, what do I really want in the long run, and what do I really want to be doing right now, right this minute. And it, it, when we do that, we begin to get answers, and then we can take those answers back with us into meditation and just kind of let those gel and let that gestate. And then we can sort of think of some creative ideas that pop into our heads and say, okay, let me go try that. Let's see what happens. Is that what I really want to do right now? Let me go try that, see what happens. And, uh, you know, sometimes you throw out your your line, your baited line, and you catch a fish. And sometimes you throw out that baited line and nothing happens. But you can still have a lot of fun throwing out the baited line. So it, it isn't necessarily that we're looking for results, although, you know, catching that fish will be a wondrous event when it happens. But we, we can throw out the line. And if throwing out the line is the thing I really want to do right now that gives me energy, that gives me joy, then why not do it? Regardless of the outcome, that is living a fulfilled life. And we don't live a fulfilled life in the future. We live a fulfilled life right now. We don't, we don't create new chain, new beginnings in the future. We create them right now. And they, so they have to be based on who and what we are right now. And that means we need to be doing some self-assessment about who and what we are right now. I heard somebody say the other day, I don't want to know about who I am. I just want to know how to live. And, you know, my response to that is you can't know how to live without knowing who you are. Uh, we're so externally focused. We're so um, driven by the externals to say the external can tell me what to do. I need to bounce off of the external or I've got some moral code that I need to operate out of because that code tells me how I should live or I've got – you know, mother and daddy and I've got wife and husband and children and boss and all these people telling me how I'm supposed to live. And that's what I should do. My culture should tell me what to do. But who are you? And that is the existential crisis we were talking about before. An existential crisis is a place we get to in our lives where we say, who am I? And an existential crisis often means that we annihilate a part of us that isn't who we are. In other words, finding out who we are means that I stop being who I'm not. So I stop wearing the mask and costume as a part of putting on who I really am. That is an existential crisis, and that is true beginning. And nothing but that is true beginning. So that's the end of our show today. And next week, we're going to be talking more about uh, what is really possible, given the fact that we're human beings and all. What is really possible? So particularly if you're trying to implement the law of attraction in your life, you don't want to miss this show because it's going to talk about what is possible and what is not possible. So stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.